Support for IPR comes from Orchestra Iowa, presenting Pops on the River, an outdoor concert experience with songs from the Eagles featuring the Seven Bridges Band and the entire symphony. June 1st at McGrath Amphitheater. Tickets at orchestraiowa.com. You're listening to an archive edition of River to River from Iowa Public Radio News. Well, unusually this hour I'm starting the show at the side of my curb here in Iowa City because it's uh, trash recycling and compost day. So um, I have three bins here, and I know and I know, not all communities are the same this way, and that's one of the things we want to discuss this hour. So I have a big yard and food waste bin here, looking in here, some, some things I collected uh, from the yard, as well as food scraps. Um, we have old tomato vines here. Our tomatoes are are pretty much done so some of those vines are in here that's the compost bin uh, let's move over recycling I look in here a, a paper bag uh, a can shoot I left the label on that I'm supposed to take the label off the metal can to recycle I better do that I'll do that in a moment and then here is the good old uh, trash regular landfill trash with a couple of plastic bags in there this is my neighbor, Owen. Hi. Hi, Owen. How are you doing this morning? Good, good. And uh, you're out here with the trash, recycling, and I don't see your compost bin out. Do you have that out today? I have a compost pile. You have I, a compost uh, pile. Do you're doing it a different way. Yes. So we're answering all kinds of questions about compost, recycling, and waste today. And since you're out here, you get to be asked, uh, do you have any lingering questions? You know, when you wheel the bins out by the street, recycling or whatever, are you? Do you feel you're well informed about what happens after after it leaves your curbside? Um, no, <laughs> unfortunately not. Uh, I mean, I've heard rumors where, you know, ninety percent of whatever you put it or plastic per se that you put in a blue container just gets burned or thrown away anyway. So then you're like me because when we do all this sorting and separating, we hope we're doing good, but. You're pretty skeptical, I guess. It's, I mean, right, it's a good feeling to personally feel, but, again, knowing what's actually happening, again, even the understanding of how the recycling simple got invented or where it came up. Yeah, oh, the the arrows arrows going in in a triangle. Again, it it just marks plastic. It doesn't mean it's recyclable or reusable. Do you know what to put in your recycling bin and what not to? Have you ever had anything rejected? I have. Um, no, not that I can recall. You're better than I am. Let let me, let me just say thanks uh, for helping out start the show today, Owen. Yeah, happy Monday. I wonder if you have the same questions I do when it comes to putting things in your recycling. It feels like I'm doing a good thing for the environment with all this sorting, but how much is it really helping? Perhaps you have other questions about recycling and composting that you've been wondering about this hour will answer your questions. This hour we want to spend exploring various recycling practices, how they differ among communities here in Iowa, perhaps even across the country, recycling's effect on the market, and its sustainability. Later in the hour, we'll learn how monies from the bipartisan infrastructure law passed in 2021 are being put to work improving how we deal with household waste. But first, let's get a better sense of what happens to your trash, your recycling. Behind the scenes, a lot is going on with what you throw away. 
Production assistant Maddie Willis and producer Danny Gear went to the Iowa City Landfill and Recycling Center where the city recycling coordinator, Jane Wilch, helped them get to the bottom of what happens to your trash. Okay, so if we look at an aerial view of the Iowa City landfill, we can see that there's many different landfill cells. And what I mean by a landfill cell is one specific area in a landfill where we are filling garbage at one time. Okay, let's walk on over here, watch those steps. So the recycling area at the Iowa City Landfill, we've got a lot of different programs represented. We've got some large recycling containers, a purple one for glass, we've got a red and yellow one for paper and plastic, a large green container for cardboard, and then we also have several other areas for other types of materials. So we've got an appliance recycling area. Uh, If you go to the landfill, you'll notice anything from washers and dryers to refrigerators, maybe lawnmowers, exercise equipment, a whole range of different types of materials in that section. We also accept propane tanks and helium tanks within that area. And then of course, oil recycling, uh, which is one of the items that is of course banned from the Iowa City landfill. So anything that we say is not legally allowed to go into the landfill, we do need to have a responsible diversion program for that. So we recycle the oil with a local Iowa company and they're able to reuse that in asphalt production. Okay, so we have our tire recycling program. We use a shredded tire, kind of crumb rubber in the design when we're building a new landfill cell and that serves as a drainage layer. So whenever we have a landfill and you're putting garbage in a hole, there are going to be two things that are forming. There's gonna be some gases and there's going to be some liquids. So the liquids are what we call leachate. Uh, A simple term for that is garbage juice, which I always feel like I get unpleasant faces from whoever I say that to, garbage juice. I have to say, it. I, there is no smell right now. Yeah. And so is that typical? It depends on the wind. It depends on what is coming in to the facility. Some loads are smellier than others. Uh, it also depends if we're grinding organic material or not. When we are grinding our organic material to start that compost process, you do have a smell in the air that's organic. To me, and I I think not everybody agrees with me on this, but to me it smells like Fig Newtons. (laughs) This is where we collect our books. We've got hardcover and paperback or softcover. A lot of what we get are especially expired or outdated textbooks. It could be encyclopedia sets, things like that. Uh, We also occasionally get some really interesting books in that uh, we don't like to see in recycling, but we are very, very happy they're at least not ending up in the landfill. It's material that will get recycled and diverted and made into new products. Uh, There is definitely a certain mindfulness when you work in the waste and recycling industry, because especially working at an Iowa City landfill or any landfill across the state, you realize that garbage does not poof go away. Uh, It's something that we have to deal with and responsibly manage for many, many decades beyond it being produced. And I think that's one misconception is that it does just go away and it's not our problem anymore. Uh, But really, it is a environmental responsibility for many years to come. 
Uh, so really what we encourage is anybody that has questions about a material that they have, please feel free to reach out. We've got lots of different materials in our lives, and at some point we have to do something with all of those materials. So we're happy to assist and answer those questions. Iowa City Recycling Coordinator Jane Wilch uh, at the Iowa City Landfill and Recycling Center with IPR Production Assistant Maddie Willis and Producer Danny Gear. Garbage does not poof go away. That's, um, I don't know, that would probably be my favorite quote from the hour. We'll see if we have better quotes. I love that one. Uh, indeed, it does not poof go away. And another thing, I've never heard anyone uh, connect mindfulness with uh, garbage, but there you go. I will from now on be mindful of what we waste, what we put in each of our bins, and, and try to reduce the amount of waste total that goes out to the curbside. Now we're joined by Jen Jordan. Jen is Resource Management Superintendent for the City of Iowa City. Hi, Jen. Hi, Ben. So you've been sitting there listening uh, to that little opening act there. I wanted to ask you about that because I know I gave some misinformation, I think, at the beginning. When I looked in my recycling bin and I thought, oh, I didn't take off the label off the can to be recycled. So what's the latest on that? Sure. And that's that's fair. Recycling has evolved very significantly over the decades. And taking lids off containers varies from community to community. Taking paper off metals varies from community to community. So in Iowa City, you do not need to take the paper off of your metal. The process is such that, and Troy can probably chime in on this too, of, of, of recycling metal, it gets melted down. That plastic just, or excuse me, that paper just burns off. Oh, okay, good. So, but that depends from community to community. It can be different. So uh, for listeners across Iowa, across the Midwest, check with your recycling and waste management area. That's right? always the bottom line. Yep. Okay. And we'll, we'll talk about that. So what, what is your reaction? What are your takeaways from that little visit we had to the Landfill and Recycling Center in, outside of Iowa City? Um, Jane did a great job answering questions and talking about the facility overall. I think, you know, Fig Newtons made me giggle. I don't know that I've ever equated the smell of our composting operations with Fig Newtons. Can it be but that I can good? I, that. Can it be that good? I, I, yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, oh. I, I think it, more, it smells like a farm to me. Yeah. It smells like, you know, hay getting cut or grass getting mowed. So it's, and that's what those materials are. It's organic material. So that totally makes sense. Right. And sometimes, you know, I have a compost pile for our garden we do here. If your compost is working right, it smells good, right? Yep. Sweet, it, fresh, It shouldn't earthy. smell. It shouldn't smell rotten. Correct. Does yep. that mean something's wrong? It's Yes. It's probably too wet or too dry. Generally too wet if it's stinky and then stuff has started to go anaerobic and started rotting. Mm -hmm. We have to take a break in just a, a minute, but you can tee this up for us and we can talk about it a little bit later. You have some uh, big news to share, uh, a grant from the new infrastructure law. Tell us in the briefest way about it, and then we'll come back and dig into it. Yeah, the, the two-sentence response to that is the Iowa City Landfill received a $4 million EPA grant to expand our current five-ish acre compost facility by about two acres, and then to add some uh, other uh, accessibility programs across the community. So mm -hmm. we're very excited. And this is from the bipartisan infrastructure law that was passed in 2021. This is a, uh, a huge amount of money. And now it's at the point where it's being divvied up to various communities, right? Correct. We're one of 25 across the country that got the grant. So we are very honored. Very Listening to an encore edition of River to River from Iowa Public Radio News. Support for IPR comes from Orchestra Iowa, presenting Pops on the River, an outdoor concert experience with songs from the Eagles 
featuring the Seven Bridges Band and the entire symphony. June 1st at McGrath Amphitheater. Tickets at orchestraiowa.com. This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer. You're listening to an encore edition of River to River from Iowa Public Radio News. We're talking about recycling this hour, finding out that it varies from community to community across Iowa. Uh, We have with us Jen Jordan, Resource Management Superintendent for the City of Iowa City. We took a trip from my curbside this morning. It was trash and recycling pickup day, in my neighborhood anyway, out to um, the landfill and recycling center outside of Iowa City. Uh, Jen, to start us off with uh, Julie in the Quad Cities, this came up in in the bit of conversation I had with my neighbor this morning because uh, I have thrown plastic bags into the recycling. Julie writes uh, from the Quad Cities, I was recently told that plastic grocery bags aren't recyclable. What happens after you put them in the bins at the entrance of the stores, Julie in the Quad Cities? Well, I'll ask that, but also what happens if you put it in the bin outside your on your curb? Sure. I'll start with the bin at the curb because that's the easy answer. So if, if we see them in Iowa City with the curbside collection, if we see them in the bin, we'll actually tag and leave your bin. So our material gets picked up and goes to what's called a materials recovery facility or a MRF. It, it's a Waste Commission of Scott County in the Quad Cities, ironically, since the caller's from there. Um, so that the sorting process for single stream recycling like we have here in town, like many other urban areas do in Iowa, goes through a giant sorting process with a bunch of mechanical parts and pieces and eyes. And it's really cool. If you ever get a chance to tour it, check it out. There's probably also great videos online you can find. <laughs> um, but the the plastic bags and other materials like that are actually really bad for the equipment. So it's also a safety issue for what staff. What do they do to the equipment? So it gets, gets think about twine in a baler, essentially. As, oh, as no. an Iowan, you can yeah. think about that. It gets twined up in the baler and the, in the, the process and really shuts everything down. So that means at a certain point when those, when those moving parts get so much material in them that's clogging it, they have to actually stop operations and clean everything out. And that's not just Waste Commission of Scott County. That's every morph in the country. So plastic bags, no. anything like cords, strings, rope, twine, things like that, really bad to put in your curbside bin because it just it, And so you have humans, human intervention to keep that out of the stream. Exactly. Yes. But if it gets past them in the first round, it's going to get twined up in that equipment. So just don't put that in your bins. Oh, no. um, we do have a lot of communities in Iowa, um, like the caller mentioned, that where you the grocery stores where they, where they accept the plastic bags for recycling. Um, I the thought is that there's enough clean material coming into those that they're backhauling them to some warehouse facility and they're bailing those and using them as a stock for another another sort of material. So it's getting, in theory, getting recycled that way. Um, let's talk about the composting. You have this grant, $4 million, you said before the break, through the bipartisan infrastructure bill from 2021. Iowa City just received it. It's a grant that allows you to resurface and expand composting facilities, adding an additional two acres. And how unique is this in the country? Only one of 20, how many communities who got this grant? Well, so we're one of 25 across the country, but they're very, from the little bit that I've read about some of the others so far, they're very different from community to community. So Mm. I couldn't tell you how many are actually about composting or basic facility infrastructure improvements like we're doing. How significant is this? What does it allow you to do that you, you wouldn't have been able to do without this yeah, $4 million that's a, grant. that's a great question. Thanks, Ben. The So we've been composting in Iowa City for a long time, as have many communities across Iowa, because the state legislature banned 
yard waste in landfills in Iowa in the, Lori, 1977, 78? Okay, a little bit later. Um, so we've had a, a good compost facility, as many other communities have for years. Um, we actually added food waste into our facility, um, starting with the University of Iowa as a, as a pilot project in the 2009 era. Um, so we have the capacity to take those materials, but we've been hitting a wall with our permit as far as, and it really comes down to how much space we have to take mm-hmm. that material in. We know we get a lot of that material in in the landfill. The DNR does waste characterization sorts every five or seven years across Iowa, where they're taking 50 tons of material from various landfills and sorting through stuff to see what's still ending up in the landfills. So we know about 20 to 25% of that is actually food waste. So we have a huge opportunity missed there that we could be composting. The issue is the capacity of which we have for space for composting. So this is going to increase our capacity by almost half. So we'll be able to get from 15,000 tons to about 20,000 tons over the next few years. Mm -hmm. And so this compost, we should think about that as a valuable resource. And what we've been doing up to this point and still are to whatever degree in communities across this country is taking this valuable uh, biodegradable resource, which we know with our gardens is just tremendous for plants and, and other purposes. And we've just been <laughs> burying it out of reach with all the other kind of nasty stuff, right? Sure. Yep. Yeah, the, the compost that we make in Iowa City is similar to what Cedar Rapids would make or any other commercial compost facility. So we we grind it up when it comes in. We turn it once a month. We screen it when it's done cooking or when the bugs are done doing what they're going to do with it. And then we sell it at, the, at Iowa City Landfill. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, this this new grant, where will it take you? Will it uh, feed your compost for how many years? Uh, what is the future vision you can realize with it? Yeah, that, that's um, the short answer. Is I think this is a really good stopgap. We so expanding from fifteen to thousand twenty fifteen to twenty thousand tons per year incoming material is, is significant, um, but we're still looking at a six acre compost facility to really get to you know the additional twenty thousand tons of food waste that are going just into the Iowa City landfill, we would probably need a 20 or 30 acre facility. So this is a really good next step for our community. But we all across the state need to be thinking bigger about food waste. Mm -hmm. And I think we talked about this before we were on air here. I think we skipped to composting and recycling, but we're really missing the bigger picture of food waste reduction, which is really exciting to talk about as well. Okay. Talk about that briefly. Food waste reduction. So um, Americans waste a ton of money every year in buying food and throwing it away. So there's not just the waste in our pocketbooks to use an old school term, but there's also the waste of growing it. The, the labor that goes into that is wasted. The greenhouse gas fossil fuels fuel is wasted as we're transporting that from, you know, apples from Argentina or wherever. So I think buying local, buying just what you need, um, those are huge steps that we can take before we even get to this composting they're, they're, conversation. Right. They're, 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 that's such a great point. And there's, there's going to be a little bit of waste we have in our fridge uh, you know, nobody can avoid all, all waste. But if you find yourself throwing out quite a bit of food um, uh, that you you didn't eat, then that should be a, a red flag. Exactly. Yep. And I think composting is kind of a gateway to that, if you will, because if you're seeing that you're composting, you know, six apples a week, maybe next week buy six fewer apples. So you're really yep. kind of starting at the tail end and working backwards, but it can be really effective in reducing mm-hmm. waste overall. Uh, C in Iowa City has this email question for you, Jen. I'll put it to you. Are toothpaste tubes recyclable? What about those cardboard milk cartons? 
Toothpaste tubes are not. Good question. Um, that's landfill. That's landfill. Yep. So, But there are alternatives to that. So that's always the, the second part of the question is, well, what can I do better? So um, there are dry tabs out there one can use for toothpaste. Mm. Um, certainly talk to your dentist to make sure they're approving those. But um, there are there are, are uh, options for lots of things that can't be recycled. The containers that like soy milk or even like uh, chicken broth come in, especially coming in. It's the like a treated year. paper, yeah. a yep. waxed paper or something? Or yep. what is it? Yeah. That is recyclable in Iowa City curbside and with the paper in the drop-off bins. Okay. Do you need to rinse it out? Sure. Rinse it out. Just give it a quick rinse. Yep. Uh, you could keep the cap on it or aside it in the in the recycling bin. Yep, that's and fine. And put it in the recycling. Okay, there's your answer. C in Iowa City. This hour, obviously all about recycling. Joining us as well, Lori Rasmus. Uh, Lori is program planner with the Iowa DNR. Welcome to our studio, Lori. Thanks. I'm glad to be here, Ben. So uh, let's get the Iowa DNR's take on this. Uh, you have also some grant money to crow about that's improving your uh, services. Tell us about that. Yes, we're very happy. We are the recipient of uh, a grant for 511000 from the uh, U.S. EPA as part of this by uh, the BIL law. And um, we're going to do three activities that we are excited about it. Uh, you know, the grant money primarily was put out there for planning. And so the first thing that uh, we're going to do is a food waste reduction and management plan. Mm -hmm. And um, it kind of dovetails off of a process that we uh, finished up called uh, Sustainable Materials Management Vision for Iowa. We had a stakeholder-driven process, and um, food was a, a material that really uh, rose to the top of what should be managed in Iowa. And uh, as Jen mentioned, about 20% of the weight that goes in our landfill is food waste. And mm -hmm. so, again, reducing that is a big part of this plan, uh, reducing it up front from the consumers and uh, other sectors as well. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the management plan, you know, trying to, you know, uh, take an inventory of what type of um, uh, composting structure we have here statewide. Uh, we have pockets of it right now um, that are, you know, here and there and, uh, you know, try to determine how we can expand upon that in a thoughtful way so that we're being efficient across the state. Would you say Jen and Iowa City, what Iowa City is sort of at the at the forefront of that? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, so it, that's, a, that's a real pioneer. That's where we want to get other communities to, right. to mm -hmm. emulate. Yes. And uh, it's not just composting either in terms of organics management. Um, you know, some wastewater treatment plants are, uh, you know, taking some food waste, uh, like in the Des Moines metro area. Also, there's on-farm composting or digesters. And so, you know, there's, there's different avenues for that. And so um, that first activity is the food waste reduction and management plan. Yeah, and it occurs to me, you know, we are so lucky to live in this country and in this state, and we have such an abundance. And that's really kind of a – <laughs> it's, it's not a problem. Uh, we love to have the abundance of all this kind of food, but then we can – it then allows you to waste food, doesn't it? If we had less food available, and I'm not saying we should, we, Lori, we wouldn't have this problem, right? We can look to other countries where you don't have the abundance. People look at their food differently. Right. And and so, you know, mindful came up at the beginning of this. There you this, go. And yeah. it, is, it is being mindful of what we purchase, how we store it, um, you know, uh, planning ahead, um, those types of things. And so, um, you know, we... we uh, 
want to bring that out, bring it to the consumer. Uh, and and other, other agencies across the state have done this as well in terms of, um, you know, working uh, with trying to reduce food across the state. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, someone told me, uh, this is also from an emailer, listener. Someone told me that if I throw my glass in the trash, and this is, uh, says in Iowa City, it will get recycled anyway. Is this true, Jen? What if, yeah, trash would, I mean, it'll just go into the landfill, be buried, right? Correct. If it's going in the trash cart, it's going into the landfill. Right. And and we are, comment on where we are here in Iowa, Lori, because I have one of our adult children. My son has lived in Montana for some time. He'll come back and I'll have to start fishing things out of our garbage because Montana evidently just doesn't do what we do, right? There are states that are more progressive here and less progressive. Right. And, you know, <laughs> even across the state, there are different programs. And so it's very important that, you know, wherever you are, that you are familiar with your local community program. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what a person puts in the recycling bin is is important so it doesn't become a contaminant or a problem, you know, of making it harder to market that material down the line. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I think we have time for your third point that the grant covers. So our our third one is to do uh, what's called life cycle assessments and also an economic analysis. Well, I just just went through some terms that probably people don't think about, but every product, whether it's packaging or material, has a life cycle. And, um, Mm. you know, kind of when we think of it, uh, at the end of the life cycle, we're either going to put it in the recycling bin or the trash or do something else with it. But when we look at a material, its entire life cycle from extracting the materials all the way to its very end and then trying to kick it back into that circular um, economy, if you will, of trying to reuse that material again and again until it's no longer usable at all and then to uh, you know, either <clears throat> find a, an alternative use for it or, you know, at some point it might need to be disposed. But try to keep it in the economy as long as it can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe this is a myth. Does, uh, like, plastics that are recycled, are they less valuable, um, work less well when they are re- made of recyclates rather than if they are produced from from the beginnings? Well, there's certain materials, certainly like, you know, the medical industry or something like that that's going to want to use virgin uh, material. But, you know, there's a lot of products that are uh, using recycled content material, um, you know, things that you, you, many of us probably have a sweater or a sweatshirt um, that has polyester in it in our closet that has been made out of plastic bottles. Mm. Um, carpet is another one that is uh, uses plastic Today, we feature an archive edition of River to River from Iowa Public Radio News. This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer. You're listening to an archive edition of River to River from Iowa Public Radio News. Recycling, the focus of our program today, the process of collecting, 
processing materials that would otherwise be thrown away as trash, uh, put in landfills for forever, I guess, is what our thought was. Uh, Instead, we want to turn them into new products. And before that, uh, we want to reduce our waste um, that is going into recycling, going into landfills, be that food waste or or packaging. Recycling can benefit your community, uh, the environment, uh, the economy. We haven't talked about that. Perhaps we can talk about that as well. Joining us, uh, Jen Jordan, Resource Management Superintendent with the City of Iowa City, Lori Rasmus, Program Manager with the Iowa DNR. Uh, this is from Leanne. Uh, she's writing from Mason City. We stopped recycling because, she writes, we lost the party that was buying our recyclables. Everything goes to the landfill now. What options do we have? Thanks and peace, says Luann. Lori, uh, can you tackle sure. that one? Yeah, there there has been a, an issue up in the, that area of the state, and uh, I, I can tell you that the uh, members of you know, the communities up there are, are trying to work together and uh, get that resolved. And uh, I, I don't expect this to go on for a, a long period of time where you, you have a desert um, up there. But there is one uh, at this time. Um, and so, uh, you know, it is being worked on. And um, there's a lot of interest being uh, generated by the communities up there to mm-hmm. make this a very short-term problem and, and to get this remediated. For those listening in this community in Mason City and other places where they want better recycling, I mean, the the groundswell of support must help, right? Oh, absolutely. If you have community involvement and people in your community are saying, hey, we want to step up to the plate and do a better job here, Lori, that can only help, right? Oh, absolutely. And uh, so, you know... That's what you can do as an individual. Yes. And so, you know, for, for your uh, emailer to, co- you know, say that they have an interest in this, you know, uh, there's others out there just like you. And, and um, you know, there are, you know, in, in, there's a, a market there. And so uh, it needs to be filled. And, uh, you know, I, I do have a, a good deal of confidence that it, it will be in the short term. Mm-hmm. Um, another question. Uh, this is Linda from Earlham. We had the, the telephone problem before, but we got her a question. What do the numbers mean on the containers? Uh, she noticed six and seven. Which numbers can you recycle? Is that uh, who can tackle that? Uh, Jen, do you want to? I'll maybe start. How's okay. that? Okay. So uh, my understanding is that the numbers are actually a chemical, like the chemistry of the plastic type of plastic that it is. And mm-hmm. Troy's nodding, so he can jump in on that. Um, but also. Uh, we've actually really, in Iowa City, have gone away from using the numbers because they are so confusing. So we are really just looking at, knowing that the conversation over on plastic the last few years, we're finding out that a lot of the material that we thought was getting recycled necessarily isn't getting recycled, even through all of our best efforts. So we're really looking at the the higher quality materials, and that generally means kitchen-type plastic. So we're not talking rubber-made tubs. We're not talking... Uh, Just because it's plastic doesn't mean it can be recycled. Right, exactly. Yep. Even if it has uh, the uh, the triangle with, the, with things. So that, that's really deceiving, right? It is, and it's frustrating. It I, is frustrating because, because you might have on a plastic waste bin that you buy and you've had under your sink there for years, and then you say, oh, okay, I, I want a new one. This is... Uh, and, and then it does have that recycle symbol on the bottom. So what are you to think? Except that this can be recycled. Right, exactly, which is <laughs> it is misleading. Yeah, so it, going back to Lori's comment earlier about checking what your local communities accept, I, I would definitely check with, you know, most communities have either flyers or information online. Check the local library to see what's out there for information. Or call the whoever picks up the trash if it's a private hauler, like in a lot of the mm-hmm. rural areas, 
or for us in Iowa City, it's it's the city. Um, so there's lots of options for getting information and education out there. And, and we do, we, I can say, I think collectively across the state, we really try hard to get that information out. Um, but it's it's a challenge because yeah. there's so many things thrown at us every day. So seek it out. Okay. Um, uh, Troy Willard is with us, CEO and owner of CanShed uh, in our studio. Hi, Troy. We're going to get a microphone over to you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Y- you serve a number of the communities, uh, residents uh, listening to this program in Iowa City, Cedar Rapids, Marion, uh, Hiawatha, Manchester, maybe some others. And it's been going on for decades, right? Uh, yeah, we're uh, in our 26th year, so mm-hmm. been a long time. For those who don't know, what is CanShed? Uh, CanShed is a redemption center-based uh, business. We do a lot of recycling, but it's uh, pretty much in that lane of uh, beverage containers that are covered under the Iowa Deposit Law. Mm-hmm. And I've been to the Iowa City location of CanShed. I like to bring my cans back there. So um, you have you go in. It's, it's uh, it's it's sometimes a bit noisy because you've got machines operating. You can you can take your cans to a certain place and they get eaten up by this. You feed them in, right? And they get eaten up. And then you there are other uh, people that are working there. They take the ones that are not eatable, edible, <laughs> by these machines, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have a, a couple programs there where people can return their containers. Um, uh, we got a bulk bag system. If you're can you know follow the guidelines a little bit you can bring them back in bulk uh drop it off get your your money and your replacement bag and you're in and out quickly and maybe the noise isn't getting to you mm-hmm. um that's one thing about being in a tin can there <laughs> with the metal walls so so you've uh, got so you, you help out residences uh, individuals but also businesses uh yeah we've got business business relationships uh we pick up bars restaurants uh big factories, any place that can uh, put together enough containers for, uh, for us to pick up and they want to take care of them that way. Um, we're kind of a vertically integrated business. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. We actually service uh, different areas of the state for other entities, whether it be distributors that we work with or partner with, um, even our brokerage that we use to sell the materials. Uh, they've got obligations on the eastern part of the state that we take care of for them. Mm-hmm. Give us some insights into the revenue stream when we pay a deposit on a bottle of, uh, well, a, a carbonated beverage. Here in Iowa, it's only carbonated beverages still, right? And that's why we find some of our, our, our just our regular water, bottle, water bottles in ditches and on streets, right? Because they don't have that deposit, <laughs> right? So, so what, who gets what, what pennies from each thing? Yeah, one of the biggest... Uh, mysteries about uh, how the money is handled or misconceptions of that is uh, the distributors originate the deposit. So when they sell their products into the grocery stores, into the convenience stores, they're charging that nickel uh, to the retailer. Mm -hmm. The retailer passes that on to the consumer. And then once the consumer's done with that container, uh, most likely they're bringing it back to a redemption center now. Uh, That that's where the travel of the nickel starts working its way back through the system. The consumer gets made whole. The redemption center then sorts out those containers by distributor. They go work with the individual distributors to get their nickel back from them. And then uh, the appropriate or the, the state-mandated uh, handling fees on top of that. That's how we make our money. Mm-hmm. And But only a certain percentage actually makes it back, right? How much doesn't make it back? Yeah. So uh, best guess estimates is about 65% of the deposit-eligible containers uh, make it back through the system. Um, so, yes, there's, there's uh, some um, deposits staying with the distributors uh, that get kind of if you will, reinvested back to the handling fees that they have to pay, uh, uh, you know, things of that nature, their collection of what 
and, and processing of it as well. Uh, the past legislative session had some changes uh, to the deposit law here in Iowa. Remind us what those were. Troy. Yeah, for well, the the most important one for us was the handling fee increase. So for forty plus years, redemption centers had tried to make it on a penny a container uh, profit uh, to make their businesses work and. Uh, we were given a pretty uh, substantial raise this year. Uh, it went from one cent to three cents. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trade-off there was uh, retailers are, are are not obligated to uh, take containers back anymore. Uh, they can opt into the program if they'd like. But uh, really, I think the intent was the extra handling fees was supposed to uh, generate a bunch of new small businesses, redemption centers across the state to kind of backfill that void that was left with retailers getting out of the system. Yeah. Did that, in fact, happen? Is is that happening? Do you see that, Troy? I, I'd say on a very small scale it has. I don't think it's it's been as successful as it needs so to be. So the incentive isn't as, as good as promised. Correct. Mm-hmm. Why not? I mean, does it need to be more money put there, or does it need a different structure? What's going on? Um, th- that's really hard to say. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I, I've always advocated that we need to have a strong redemption center program throughout the state. Um, but... You know, again, the the retailers were the the guardrails, the backstop to the system in case there wasn't somebody there to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what the answer is. There. Okay, uh, Troy, I'm going to give you uh, your wish uh, here, uh, though I can't just hypothetically give you your wish that the next session there is a, a law change. What one thing could increase that from sixty or seventy percent to much higher in terms of, you know, keeping that trash off of uh, our streets? And getting those recycled, those things recycled. Yeah, really, uh, and, it, and it's all out there in what other states have done to modernize their um, bottle bills. Uh, the first would be the amount of the deposit. Uh, it's been a nickel for 40-plus years. Uh, the financial incentive to get it back probably needs to be a dime or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we see other states have 85 to 90% return rates. Uh, so that's that's a, a big motivator. So the path is uh, is already there. We yeah. know what to do. We just aren't doing it. Correct. Um, the other thing is you mentioned water bottles. Uh, they they outsell uh, carbonated soda right now. So uh, we need an expansion to cover the definitions of all the containers that's that are a, out that's there. That's a head-scratcher, isn't it? Yeah. Why only carbonated beverages? Well, back in 1978 <laughs> or 79, you know, nobody had thought that uh, – There'd be bottling water or there'd be uh, true. Uh, Starbucks true. containers out there, all that stuff. As a teenager in the 1970s, I, uh, I, I, I experienced Iowa in pre-bottle bill days, and there was so much more litter out there. It really did a fantastic job. But then as water increased, people buying water... Um, that things that were not carbonated. Right. And then we had that same kind of waste problem. Okay. Um, here's a listener with a question that I've been wondering too, because you buy a, a new, it's usually electronic, styrofoam, right? Or maybe some furniture. And uh, the question is, what is the best thing to do with styrofoam food containers after cleaning them? What about large styrofoam blocks received in shipped products? That is a problem, isn't it? Because they are supposed to go in the trash, Right. Right, if if someone's going to dispose of them. But the thing is, you know, maybe you think about how can that be reused? Um, you know, a styrofoam block, you know, can it be used for packaging? Um, you know, you're mm-hmm. going to send something at Christmas and, you know, maybe use it, uh, use it again. You know, find another use for it. Is there something, uh, maybe you need to plug up uh, something that needs a little insulation or something like that? Or um, 
So, you know, in terms of uh, it does not belong in the recycling. However, um, you know, look at it. It seems like it should, but it doesn't. Because it, it doesn't, yeah. <laughs> All right. You know, reuse or, uh, you know, find a different material. You know, don't, you know, the packaging, um, you know, find another retailer or wherever uh, you're buying goods from that doesn't use styrofoam. Mm-hmm. We have about two minutes left. What messages have been left unmentioned that are important or messages that we want to emphasize hit home here before we say goodbye for the hour? Well, we can talk a little bit about uh, wish cycling. Um, wish cycling uh, is, you know, we we want to recycle um, and maybe uh, we're not sure if something is recyclable, so we, we hope it is, we wish it is, and so we'll just put it in our recycling anyway. And uh, really want to encourage people from uh, doing that and finding out really what does belong in the, the curbside or the drop-off location. And so to check with your local solid waste agency, you know, they are, your local solid waste agency is a huge resource. They know not only waste, but they also know recycling. And um, so they'll be able to point individuals across the state of, uh, you know, what is accepted locally. Okay, we've got less than a minute. Jen, can you give us some some closing thoughts uh, from from your side? Yeah, thinking back to you know one of the initial comments Jane made about uh, she I don't think she used the word consumption, but and this ties into Lori's point too. You know, we we buy things in our lives with the intent of using them, and they go away at some point. But I would encourage people when you buy them, think about that end of life and where stuff's going to end up, because that really is part of the conversation and, and needs to be part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And that does it for today. River to River is produced by Danny Gear, Samantha McIntosh, and Caitlin Troutman, with help from Maddie Willis. The executive producer of Iowa Public Radio's talk shows is Katherine Perkins. I'm Ben Kiefer. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm.